Hey there, beautiful souls, and welcome to the PMDD podcast. This is me, your host, Adriana Tanto, speaker, community builder, and PMDD warrior. On this podcast, you'll hear from my amazing guests, including professionals in the PMDD space, personal stories, and more on how you can not only live with PMDD, but thrive. I'm on a mission to build a kick-ass community of incredible women, just like you, who are keen to learn and discover how to manage those debilitating symptoms like a pro. Whilst my guests are some of the best in the biz, the content you are about to hear on this podcast is not formal advice. So remember to reach out to a medical professional for support on your personal situation. And may I just add some of the content may be a little bit triggering. So please make sure that you listen with caution. So get ready for some inspiring conversations, epic stories, and a whole lot of learning. We'll laugh, we'll cry, and most importantly, we'll grow together. Let's dive in. Hello, Amy, and welcome to the podcast. How are you today? I'm good, thank you. I'm very cold in the UK, (laughs) but I'm good. I'm having a good morning. How are you? I'm really well. I can see you with, it's a hot water bottle, isn't it? Yes, like one of them really weird shaped ones. It's not my fave, but it's it's all I've got. <laughs> well, hopefully that's keeping you all warm. I would love to know what day are you in your cycle today? Yeah. Um, so I I kind of calculate my cycle in like I count up to ovulation and then I count down to um mm. menstruation. <laughs> It's more of like a, oh, Christmas is coming in menstruation. <laughs> um, so I'm on around, I'm on around day 10. So I should be ovulating at the weekend. So good, very vibrant, very um, outwardly connected at the moment. A little bit, I, I do get a little bit of like, I don't like to use the, like the labels so much, but I get some kind of ADHD sort of tendencies in my follicular phase, like very flitty, um, very excitable, kind of struggle to focus up with work sometimes. Like I'm focused and then all of a sudden I'm on my phone and talking to someone. And it, I find that I have to focus a lot on really grounding techniques on this time of the month as well. So there is definitely the an interesting combination between the two which I do hear a lot from clients and women within the community. That's so interesting that you should say that because I am now just started my inner winter and I'm feeling so much more calm, grounded, focused with work whereas last week when I was in the lead up to ovulation I had the ADHD little I could understand why people have those ADHD tendencies throughout their cycle. And now I realized that I was like, ah, follicular stage. Yeah. Yeah. The follicular, I think it does do it. And I think that, I mean, you know, this isn't an expertise of mine, but I think that there may be something in, in relation to, we have a lot more serotonin in this time of the month and maybe our body just doesn't really know how to kind of handle the, almost like the excitement inside of us. It's like, oh, I can 
do everything. <laughs> That's exactly how I was going to describe it. Like, I'm just so excited. I'm like, oh, I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to get organized this. And then it gets to where I am now. And I'm like, oh, surrender all those ideas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's so true. And I think the more that you learn about your cycle and yourself, because I, I found definitely when I was going through the healing process with PMDD that that would almost be what made my luteal phase worse because I would get so excited. I would plan so many things and then I would get to them neck, like that next phase in PMDD. And I would just be like, I can't do it. And, and I'd start shrinking in. I'd start feeling really overwhelmed, anxious and afraid. And it was more like, over the course of time when I realized I was putting too many plans in I started to realize that a lot of the anxiety and the overwhelm really just come from putting too much on my plate and mm -hmm. so I just started to stop doing it <laughs> and it definitely had like helped tremendously you almost have to set reminders through the follicular said stop getting excited I know you're excited but stop making so many plans over the next two weeks you're going to regret it yeah Definitely, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> Amy, I would love for you to share your story around your personal experience with PMDD. Yeah, yeah, I would definitely do that. It's a, where do we begin? Um, yeah, I think when I was 13 was when I started my period. And, you know, people call it that, like, manarchy. And I remember that's like specific day when I came on and being like what's going on like not really knowing anything and then like my mum running upstairs like oh you know going to the toilet like real kind of very British like shaming kind of thing like what is this kind of thing so I remember I remember that initial thing being quite um it interesting in just the perspective of okay th this is a this is a shaming thing you know this isn't something to be proud of necessarily we just have to kind of hide this away um and then I like I had a very um complicated teenage life um my, my family life wasn't <laughs> wasn't particularly great and I started running away from home at, at the age of 13 and got into just really 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 bad situations with a lot of bad people and somehow and even to this day, I honestly don't remember how this happened. Like the friends I was hanging out with, I we ended up going to the doctors and getting the pill. And it's such a bizarre thing because I'm like, why? Because I wasn't, I wasn't even sexually active at the time, but we we got it. And anyway, I I got into this really bad crowd and I got groomed into some really bad things with some older guys and was was violated in quite a few ways over the course of a very short period of time really from the age of sort of 13 to just after my 15th birthday it was a very like violent time sexually for me and and for me as well it was that kind of awakening of of sexuality but I was also and I still think it now you know as as a 30 year old woman like I, I have a slight element of innocence within me and how I view sex and I always kind of have and I think that that was very much taken away from me at a very young age so it was very confusing for me and I and what started to happen was because I was overwhelmed I would come home 
after these experiences and like most girls women who have been in like sexual trauma there's this tendency to feel unclean so I would always <clears throat> I would always shower and then I would end up I didn't know what to do and I was feeling helpless and like, the only pills that I had at the time were these pills that the doctor had randomly given me to be sexually active and instead of you know actually taking them the way that they were I I overdosed on them I would overdose on them every time something would happen and it was it was bizarre because then from the age in in the age of 14 I was on my period all the time so I was having these horrible experiences I was overdosing on these pills because I didn't know how to handle it and it was just like it was just chaos like my moods were just like this there was no like there was no support from anywhere and at the time as well because I was running away quite frequently at that age the I don't know what the system is like in Australia like <clears throat> I've worked a lot with kids over the years and like the the Children's um, Act like 2015 which is an act in the UK but I'm, I'm not sure I'm assuming it, it may be international um, but it but it wasn't a case when I was younger so there wasn't there wasn't help I would go to the police no one was helping me so it was very much like a time of like I'm not protected and over the course of that it just progressively just got got worse and worse and you know I got into drugs I got into more bad relationships and it's almost like and I see it a lot with trauma that you have these initial horrendous situations but because there's no you know in in nature when bad things happen animals have a resolve which goes into the somatics and, and what I do for work, like the kind of shaking, the allowing the breath to come back out. But when you go through these things and there's no safety, it, it gets internalized. And we create these really unhealthy coping mechanisms of, you know, drinking drugs, being like becoming even more sexually promiscuous and, or, you know, all these different things. And as a woman as well, like, unfortunately, unfortunately it is different for a man because, we can fall pregnant you know we can a lot of <laughs> things happen within our body and if there's no one to sort of tell us anything in that place that's it just exacerbates itself it gets worse and worse over the course of time and and really that's what happened to me like by the time I was 17 you know I was living by myself I was addicted to drugs I was I fell pregnant when I was 17 and it, it was a really it was a really horrendous time of just no support and actually when I fell pregnant that was that was the pivotal point for me of I decided to to have a termination but from a position for me where it was like now I need to make choices and I need to change my life because I want to be a good mum one day and I knew I just knew I couldn't I knew that if I brought that child into the world and it wasn't it wasn't a choice that I took lightly at all it was very much like a I have to do this but the way I'm going to do it is to make my life different. And then, you know, I'm, I was still overdosing a lot. So I was ending up in hospital a lot. The psychiatrist told me that I had um, borderline personality disorder and PTSD. Didn't really, at that time, completely disregarded it. When I was 22, they said it to me again. And that was, that was at a time where something changed. I actually got sober. And I met God and I really like my whole life started to change, but there was still this, um, 
this consistent like it, it was becoming very clear to me that there was this consistent like I'm okay I'm not okay I'm okay I'm not okay but it was because they also tested me for bipolar as well because there was the exhilaration and then there was the like manic depression like I'd be in bed for days and then I'd be exhilarated and over the course of the years of like really trying to strip things back you know from the age of 22 for me it was like I needed to forgive I needed to cry I mean I spent years literally just crying crying and trying to process what I'd been through um and it was it was hard you know it was hard work like I I never which is why as well I do what I do because I never felt safe in my body I didn't comprehend what safety was until the last few years of my life like it, it was not something that I could even fathom because I'd just never been safe like and I'd never been in situations that had made me feel safe but over the course of time like with the um like the mental health side I just it was just becoming really clear that that was the case there was this up and down up and down and then um my mom I think it was my mom a friend like a, a few little things happened over I think it was about <coughs> about five years ago where well, like a friend gave me like a magazine and my mum was like you're always really down before you come on your period and it was it was this real kind of like oh okay like this is a thing so I started I started tracking it and I don't want to discredit um like the medical system I'm not here to do that but my personal experience in in all the fairs of my life has never particularly been good and it always felt like you know I would go in I would relay my my life story like my pain and I'd be it was like they was just they'd pick something up and go here you go here's a label for you and it was so, it's it was so insulting to me because it didn't feel right it felt like I'm not a label I'm a person and I've been through a lot of pain and I want to be able to experience it and that was always like an internal truth for me but it was clear as a woman that it was cyclical but back then you know even even the word cyclical wasn't really like as much in my vocabulary then um so yeah I, I started tracking myself a lot but I was still just you know I was leaving jobs I've done I'd done loads of geographicals I was I'd be in relationships I'd run away from the relationships I was I was I was psychotic at times like it was it was really really challenging and then um I when I did find out more about the PMDD I tried to go on the pill like properly and it made my blood clot <laughs> so I that was like a month and I was off and um, and by the way by this point like I think uh, yeah I was like 25 at this point and I'd never actually taken any tablets for my mental health I obviously did have like I had a drug problem when I was younger so I was very cautious of the idea of, and I also had a problem with suicidal attempts so for me the the idea of taking tablets was actually quite a dangerous one because mm. they because you know I could abuse them or I could well in either way really abuse them so I didn't I came off of them that made me a bit psychotic and I tried to go to the hormone clinic in London and they refused and that was specifically you know for PMDD and stuff they refused me because I wouldn't take anything and I just got to this point where I was like I'm I need to do this myself like no one is going to help me and I have to do this myself and my relationship with um 
with God, my, you know, my perception of God has always been very strong since, since I found God when I was uh, 22, you know, I got sober and I just started to unravel. So I was healing, you know, I was, things were changing, but there was still that kind of real prevalent up and down, but it was kind of good as well because I was like, oh, okay, like PMDD, you know, like, it, it is a thing like I'm, I'm really starting to see this clearness of I'm here and then I'm here um so that to me started to be a beneficial thing I'm I've never been someone who wants a label I don't like the idea of having a label that's just I don't know it's, it's just always been an innate thing within me um but I I did find it helpful to realize that that was what was going on because then I started to track and I was tracking more and more and I was going in for the diagnosis. So I still actually had been diagnosed. Um, and I'm just trying to think of, yeah. And then I, I had a really good friend, actually. This is a, a really weird side note, but it was a really pivotal thing for me. Like she gave me this book and it was by a woman called Jessica Taylor, um, Sexy But Psycho. And, you know, I'd I'd had the label of borderline personality disorder since I was, 17 and I think by this point you know I'm like 26 27 and I hated it like I hated this label like you know it has perceptions of like fatal attraction of being just crazy you know a woman that's like just just even the language of borderline personality felt so insulting to me as a person and I hated it I hated the way that it was all perceived and I remember when I read this book, it said, don't, don't quote me on this, <laughs> but it was essentially um, like most women who have BPD have been sexually traumatized and they're not, you know, they're not dealing with their trauma. And it was like this light went off in me. And I all of a sudden, like all these labels and the shaming things that I um, had on me for a while that I was I was unwell, you know, I was mentally unwell and it wasn't because of what I'd been through. It was just who I was. Because th this is, for me, what I have an issue with, what I had an issue with within it was the fact that when I was in this label, that was who I was. And it's like, mm -hmm. oh, it's happening because I, I've got BPD. It's happening because of the PMDD. Like, so there's no accountability for my, for my experiences. But there's also no capacity for me to grieve my experience as a human being. Like, I'm not... Yes, my, my behaviours and the way that I deal with relationships and, you know, all these different things aren't necessarily the best, but they're not because of this. They're actually because I'm scared and I'm mm. traumatised. And it was just after that for me, it really, that was a real pivotal point. And I just started to track and I went really deep into my tracking. I was also, you know, I was doing a lot of sport as well. I've always been very much into particularly adventure sport. And that's always been really empowering for me, as particularly with like the, the sexual trauma side of things. Um, because I think one thing that women find when they have been sexually traumatized is power has been extracted from them. And there's, it's, you know, it's okay to talk. And I think even, you know, EMDR, which is like a form of somatics is, is good. But one thing I find really empowering is to feel power, to feel your sense of power again, which is why for me, like fighting and doing things like that, it's, it's not because I want to go and get revenge. <laughs> it's because mm. I want to, to feel a sense of I'm in control of my body.
this is my body, my temple, my choice, you know, and in, in a peaceful way as well. Like I don't, the more I feel in power, the more I feel I'm able to forgive, if that makes sense, because I think it's really hard to forgive when you don't feel safe. And so just over the course of time, it was just like, okay, I'm, I started to look at myself as a corporation. This is a bit blurred, by the way, like, <laughs> there's, there's so much stuff that happened in this. But yeah, it was, I just started to look at myself as a corporation. I started to look at, you know, what I fed myself and what I was saying to myself was a huge thing for me. Like the combination of how my body felt and what I was saying to myself were the biggest things. Because when I got into into my luteal phase, you know, I'd, I'd been in abusive situations for years. So I didn't feel safe around people. And when I was in my luteal phase, I was so paranoid, so hypervigilant. Like if I'd done something that didn't feel right, or if I was tired and I didn't want to go to work, or if I was meant to meet someone and I didn't want to do it, it was like so much paranoia. I'm like, are they going to attack me? Are they going to? And it was completely irrational. But it wasn't irrational internally because that was my experience that I hadn't dealt with. And so I just I just started dealing with it. Like, and for me, to be honest with you, like I actually done a lot of it by myself. Like <laughs> I really just and, and actually I won't say by myself. I done a lot of it with my in my relationship with God. Like I really I I have an ability to really see in the spirit and you know visualize and connect to my body very deeply and I just started doing it and I started to like learn what was going on in my luteal phase that I was feeling fatigue that was a real prominent one for me the the paranoia and fatigue so I started to observe what are the main things that I see here like what's the main thoughts that go on in inside of me like how can I reframe them how can I change them and I just started to do it and I'd just done it more and more and it start it just start started to change and it wasn't wasn't easy it took its sweet time but it started to change and you know I, I got qualified as a health and wellness specialist I went more into the yoga side of it went deeper into somatics as well which I'm continuing to do educationally because I'm an education nerd anyway um but yeah, I just started to feel more and more safe within my body. My mind started to be more and more um, at, at ease. And it it just started to get better. Like the cycle, like the PMDD side of it wasn't as intense. Like, don't get me wrong, there are still moments where I I have challenges. But I also, you know, I've, I've said this to a few women in a support group that I, I, I run, um, this whole thing of hell week, um, I, I hate it. It's horrible. It it perpetuates fear. We do not need more fear in our lives. Like it's a week of learning. If we look at it and we come into it from the right place, our bodies, and I truly believe this now, and I think this is a really good question just for anyone who who is listening. Like one thing that's really important for people is to know what you believe about the world around you. Like, do you believe you live in a world that is good or do you believe that you live in a world that was bad and that that for me I really had to acknowledge that the truth was I didn't believe in a good world I believe I believe the world was unsafe it wasn't for even in my relationship with God like I had a love and a relationship with you know the spirit but I also didn't feel safe 
and didn't trust that that things were working for my good. Mm. And there was a sense of having to trust that as well, because otherwise the luteal phase is daunting. It's just, you know, we're just in this place where we're a woman, we're cursed to be trapped in this cyclical nature, which is one minute okay and the next minute not. And we're just a victim to it. But when you start to work with it and and start to not not be afraid of the anger, the fear, the suicidal thoughts, like don't don't be afraid of them, acknowledge them and see what why are they there? Because they're there for a reason. And they're there to either because it was a survival coping mechanism or because they're trying to show you something. And that is really yeah that's the journey that I took and what I'm still taking you know like I've got layers of we all have we all have layers and layers of healing you know be it acute trauma or developmental trauma cultural trauma all all of it we're just going through that process and I really believe that as I've gone on this journey I I believe knowing and finding out about PMDD has been a gift because not only has it helped me heal my trauma and still hearing but it's gave me the capacity to which is why my business is called the feminine rhythm as well because it's gave me the capacity to understand the nature of of myself as a woman and the beauty that is the cyclicalness which you know men don't have like only us with wombs have that beautiful cyclicalness so yeah (laughs) I hope that made sense it wasn't such a ramble (laughs) No, not at all. Thank you so much for sharing your story, Amy. Um, I feel like there will be so many, there will be many people that resonate on many different levels. I love that you are not keen on the word hell week and calling it learning week. I actually had a, a best friend of mine um, text me literally today and she was she's only just starting to understand the luteal phase, but she's like, "Is do you reckon this phase is like if you get through this phase, you can really achieve anything? And that's because on an emotional level, it, it will, like, exactly what you said, it's like this is the time to surrender and learn and be in that time. And it's such a beautiful space. And like I said before, it's only just recently that I actually was like, I'm actually starting to enjoy this phase. Uh, Another thing that you said that you said quite a few times that I thought I might get you to uh, dive in a little bit deeper, especially for those that are listening that have had some sort of sexual trauma in their life, you spoke about this feeling of unsafe and, you know, it's so important to, having experienced that type of trauma is to then become safe. Can you maybe share some specific ways that have made you feel safe? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think this, yeah, the language of feeling unsafe is, you know, when, when we're looking at it from a child, you know, a child is predominantly like completely dependent on their parent. So they have to feel a sense of safety. And even as a teenager, it's the same thing. You know, we're dependent on the systems around us. And if if you go through something and then you tell someone and they support you in the correct way, what is reiterated is, okay, if something happens, 
I can find safety. But when you don't have that and you're calling out to all these different places and you're being invalidated, gaslighted, manipulated and, you know, all these different things, you you get internally reminded that this isn't a safe place. And what starts to happen is that hypervigilance inside just gets more and more and you're looking for it everywhere. And you just get this sense internally of being absolutely exhausted all the time because you're just like, where where is where am I safe? Like you you go and meet friends and you come and I'm sure someone who is listening to this will relate to this one. You go meet friends, you come away and you're like, did I say the right thing? Is are they going to leave now? What are they going to do? You know, like all all these like really paranoid things because you you do ge- just genuinely not know how to relax because it hasn't been something in in your world. And I think for myself, like what. It's, it sounds so silly, but it, it really was becoming present. Like over the years since, you know, since I was 20, I've, I've traveled the world and I've always had like this craving for that kind of spiritual side of things. And I've done a lot of meditation, a lot of breath work and, um, you know, yoga and, and like more adventure exercises as well. Um, and I found that that was where I really started to find my safety. And it was always in the breath, always in the moment, you know, coming back to the moment. But but I think what also happened, and this was the real challenge that took a while for me, is that in society, we have this tendency to not want to feel our emotions in general. Now, when you have such a level of pain and fear um, it becomes even harder. So this idea of being present, like what happens, I'm seeing it in my mind as, as I'm saying it, like you can almost see it as like there's there's bubbles, everything's bubbling up. And when you come back to this, like, okay, this simmer, let's come back to that grounding. What happens is you see it more, you see the pain and then your body wants to feel it because it feels calm enough, it's present enough to feel it. And what a lot of... Um, you know, people with high levels of trauma do is is they don't want to fear that they're afraid to fear that because they're they're afraid of how much they will fear that, how long it will happen for, and also because it's intense. You know, fear things. There, there's a reason people are afraid of their emotions because emotions are visceral. You know, like if we have sadness, anger, grief, like we can feel that. You know, you can feel the weight of your heart when you grieve loss. You can feel anger like burning up your body when you're going into that place of rage. And unfortunately, particularly with, with you know, sexual trauma and that, there is a lot of rage because it's injustice. You know, it wasn't fair. It wasn't a choice. It's not something you can change. And rage is scary it's a scary emotion and I I think that you know this thing of being unsafe it's unsafe in the world around you but it's unsafe internally as well it's like you you have lost the connection with yourself and you are fragmented and what needs to happen is you need to turn around and look at yourself and but to do that the first step is to gently start to ground yourself and slowly allow things to come out Slowly allow yourself to be sad about the loss of years. Slowly allow yourself to be sad about your lack of connection with yourself. And and it's really like, I, I personally have found this journey, like, and with the women I work with as well, it's, it's such a beautiful journey of finding, like this, this whole thing of like self-love is such a buzzword, isn't it? It's like, oh, find self-love. But when you've been through su- such level of pain, 
and not even just you know I don't want to just talk about that you know emotional pain or just you know having PMDD as a whole like there's this there is this sense of separation between your relationship with yourself and it's such a beautiful journey when you can turn around and start to gently come into that place of yourself like do the breath work come into a place of finding little pockets of peace within yourself like when you've never had that and all of a sudden you have like 10 minutes of feeling a sense of peace it's like oh that's something that I I want to get close to you know and it's just doing more and more of that stuff and 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 it really is an internal thing it's so internal and that's that's why like doing a lot of the external stuff isn't and I think a lot of a lot of people you know cling to relationships to try and find that peace a lot and or like you know go into codependency and stuff and I think it's it is unfortunate and definitely things that I've done in the past um, but the more we can kind of go internal and realize, no, we are our safety. I am a human being. I have self-agency and autonomy because that's what's that's what's been lost. And that's what you need to find again. But it it takes time and it it's a gentle journey. I think that's the bit that I want to really express. Like you have to be gentle with yourself. Don't try and push out trauma because it will it will re-traumatize you. It will, because it's too much to come up. Because if you want to experience and move through your trauma, you have to physically feel the emotion. And that is quite exhausting. So you have to trust your body to know what it needs. And the first step really is to reconnect with it through the simplicities of breath work and grounding. Mm. I hope that made sense. (laughs) No, it made complete sense to me. Yes, absolutely. You have mentioned as well your relationship with God and I would love for you to maybe go into this one again a little bit deeper in the sense that I feel like because I have a close, I, 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 you know, I, I wouldn't say that I believe in God but I have a belief, you know, that I connect with the universe um, and I have a dear friend actually that that does believe in God and we've had uh, conversations about her mental health and there's this stigma I believe that you know that it's she there's this shame when that she has that she doesn't want to go out and talk about it and maybe that's a general thing as well but I I, I didn't I wonder if you can relate to that with me also you speak about yoga and breath work. And these are the things that I suggested to my friend um, who, you know, was a believer of God. She's like, oh, I think that that will taint my belief. And mm. I, I was quite confused by that. Um, maybe you can explain. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, <laughs> yeah, that definitely. No, no, it, it totally makes sense. It totally makes sense. And it depends on, so I, um, I, I guess firstly the thing that I want to say is like I I am Christian. I don't like the I'm I'm very strong on language in a lot of areas because I personally believe that language is is creation, you know. So and I find unfortunately now, you know, I don't want to discredit Christians in any way, shape, or form, but unfortunately, like the way that the church has been has not made people feel again safe you know it doesn't make people feel safe to explore themselves and to understand themselves it's very 
it's very judgmental and if you think about it again as like a child in a home when you're trying to explore like who you are what you like if you if you're a boy and your dad really like loves football wants you to play football but you're like well I really like dancing you're not going to express that are you because you don't feel safe to do that so you're just going to hide away and, and you're fragmenting the relationship and unfortunately I find that within the dynamics of I can't speak for other faiths as much because you know this this is where my my heart is um but I feel that the church does make me does make people feel that way definitely that there's this kind of shame in that and um yeah I I think it's unfortunate so I do and when it comes to the mental health side it it really depends I think on the the type of people that you meet because particularly within the Christian realm there's definitely like the very strong fundamental evangelical side which really believe in the power of God's healing and then there is more kind of um like Church of England I'm, I'm assuming yeah Church of England would be everywhere isn't it yeah just always because it's English um they're more you know looking at it from that kind of science way as well and I, I personally I just don't stand in any of it to be honest with you like my my relationship is with Jesus and like I and that's that's what I found you know like when I was going through my challenges it was and it's so funny because I, I have a, a friend and he he said to me like oh don't you think you you just found Jesus because of where you're from and I'm like no, I'm, I'm from London like it's very multicultural like it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't exactly what I was brought up with but it but it is what I found and it's it's where like I found my sense of peace but I don't think that personally I think that God loves everyone and I think that the way that religion is sometimes doesn't allow people to build a relationship with God and I feel you know I, I personally think as as a woman of God like my purpose and mission in life is to definitely help women heal from sexual trauma but it's I see it as like I can't help anyone here only God can and I just want to give people God's hand and allow them to feel safe in God's company. You know, I, I was going to say he, and it to me, it doesn't really matter. You can call God he, her, whatever. Like it, it's so, it's such a human issue. Like, and and I think what's unfortunate, and it, the same with you know going into the breath work and yoga. Like I've had friends tell me, you know, I'm going to India soon, and I've had friends tell me, you know, you've got to be careful, you've got to be, and and I understand it because that what what the issue is and what you're talking about is more about the fact that there's an element of idolizing. You're idolizing something else outside of God. Now I know there's probably people that would maybe disagree with me in this but I follow the convictions of my heart which is where God leads me and I think that yoga and breath work I use it for the mechanism of my body you know God, God breathe breathe life into me you know the breath is an anchor mm. and I, I don't see anything wrong with that I'm not going to idolize it it isn't God like my relationship with God as a creator is is outside of these things. And I, I I think it's unfortunate as well sometimes that people say that because it's trying to give, it, it's not giving God the credit that God deserves. 
either and this goes into a lot of controversial subjects as well you know as I find it very interesting as a woman who I guess fundamentally is a Christian and does follow the Bible and reads my Bible daily um that there are a lot of country I've, I've lived a very controversial life you know but having come from such sort of a, a wild background you know like a lot of the controversial subjects of sex and sexuality have I've I've experienced and I, but I also think that God ha, has allowed these things to happen so so that I can understand that fundamentally God wants to love everyone and how how can he do that if no one wants to everyone's scared you know everyone's scared of the the whole thing of God or they're like well how can God be real with this and it's like there I I haven't seen for a really long time an avenue to really help people just come into any relationship with God that doesn't feel religious and I think it's so unfortunate because when I you know when I was in recovery and I was going to like NA meetings and you see so many people like their lives changing from being like heroin crack addicts like really deep like crazy stuff and finding God but in like this is why I actually really love recovery and the way that they do it there because they teach you they teach you the way to live they teach you surrender and and I think that when it comes to mental health like with your friends like I think a big thing is knowing that God God loves you and that he wants the best for you. And if what's best for you is to find someone to talk to, then that's okay. And if what's best for you is for a while to go on medication while you build the tools and create some stability, then that's okay. Like fundamentally, it God wants the best for you. So it's following. And the more we get out of the fear, because mm. like that's, that's one thing that I would say to anyone like, God is never condemning you. He is never trying to bring you into a place of shame. If you feel shame and you want to hide, that is not God. Like that's just a fundamental thing. Like God will never make you feel that way. If you feel guilt, like, you know, like when you love your parent when you're a child and you're like, oh, I did something wrong, but you have to tell them. Mm. Like that's what God's like. It's, you know, he's always ushering you into becoming the most loving and better version of yourself. And I think, and and that's really like through all of this for me with everything that's happened in my life, like I really do believe that God works. I'm not saying that these things were meant to happen. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know in the grand scheme of things. We live in a dark world where look, there is a lot of darkness, but I do believe that if you bring it to God and you surrender it and you forgive and and that's hard. Like I'm, I'm not saying that from any light place. Like I have wanted to go and do some really dark things in mm you know in my anger but if you can surrender and forgive I really do believe that God can work it for good and you can help so many people but you have to allow yourself to to find a relationship with God that is personal and for anyone who is listening to this and feels that it, it is really just it's it's not complicated like we, we make it so complicated and we we're so up it's the same thing of like we're so up in here all the time like up in our heads and like oh you know should I be doing this should I be doing this no just like come into your body listen to your heart and and just just ask God just be like God if you're real like show me and he will show you differently to me because you're a different person to me mm -hmm. you know and the way that we will like I 
I actually believe that God connects to people through their love languages. So I'm very much like a words type of person. And I really, but I'm also like a feeler as well. And I actually feel God's presence sometimes. Like sometimes when I'm sad, like I feel God touching me and I can hear his words. Like he makes me laugh. And, you know, everyone's different mm-hmm. in that place. And I think to to try and put God in a box and put him in a perception that is like, well, you wouldn't hear God that way. It's like, well, who am I to tell you that? Isn't that just as much of a sin? me judging you for yeah this I could honestly speak about this for, for hours on my phone <laughs> thank you so much for explaining um I now I have such a better understanding I'm really grateful um yeah. Amy I know that you do some great work in this space I would love for you to tell listeners what it is that you do and how can they find you Yeah, yeah. So a lot of what I do is really supporting women to connect into themselves within their cycle. I I make sure it's very important that women connect within the cyclical nature of things, but focusing on connecting back to your trauma in a somatic way. So connecting to the body, coming out of the head and connecting to your heart and moving through the felt body like the denseness of emotions that we're very afraid of feeling is a lot of kind of the work that I do. And then focusing on reframing the mind as well. So once you start to be able to connect into the body, you know, connect to the breath, move through the feelings, it's, it's, a, real, it's a real exploration of what's going on really. And then starting to reframe the mind. So it's not specific, it is specific for women with PMDD, but it's really the focus is more on women who have been through a lot of trauma as well and want to and want to hear that from that somatic, more spiritual side of things. And yeah, you can just find me on Instagram on the feminine rhythm. I always put some weird videos of me dancing up there. <laughs> or on my website, which is feminineRhythm.co.uk but I also um myself and Heidi who has been on here before who is a naturopath we're also running a sisterhood for women particularly with PMGD which really goes into the depths of a few things really one being the fact that as human beings we need community and we like to look at it in the sense of, you know, we're trying to climb up this mountain of healing together. So really coming into that place and looking at, you know, food, mood, biochemistry and stress and trauma um, in a cyclical way. So we really just like put in our expertise together to create that holistic wholeness for women. Amazing. I will definitely put all the links to everything that you are doing in the show notes. And I always like to finish with this question. And I think you highlighted a little bit of it at the beginning, but I will ask it again because it's protocol as part of this (laughs) uh, podcast. What has been the silver lining of having PMDD? Yeah, just the I feel empowered as a woman. Like it's truly when you accept the reality of it, it can become, I think that the menstrual cycle is a woman's greatest power. I love that. Beautifully said. Amy, it has <laughs> been 
<laughs> Amy, it has been such a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for sharing your story and all your wisdom. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning into the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, then make sure you subscribe. I'd also love it if you shared it, rated it, and also followed us on Instagram at the underscore PMDD podcast. Until next time, stay fabulous and truly be kind to yourself.